Welcome to the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Alex, one half of Be Sober. And I'm Lisa, the other half. We're dead proud to be working with IPHM this season and can't wait to tell you all about them and their services. The IPHM is a worldwide accreditation board with a difference. Their passion lies in helping people live the life they love, as well as giving the public the reassurance they need to know they'll be in safe hands. There's a reason all our coaches are IPHM accredited and a reason we are an IPHM accredited training provider because their reputation is simply the best out there. Check them out at iphm.co.uk and don't forget to name drop Be Sober when you apply. It's a beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. <laughs> Happy December. Oh, I can't believe we're at the end of the year. Do you know what? Thinking about sober Christmases, right? Last year, so two years ago was my very first sober Christmas. Yeah. And I remember, and I've said this before, but it still shocks me now that Christmas Day is really long. <laughs> I know, it is so long. You get to do so much. I love a sober Christmas Day. I remember the first one feeling long and a bit like, Ugh. Oh no, mine wasn't there. Mine was like, woohoo! Yeah. What I couldn't get my head around, Lisa, is the fact that I didn't need a nap at tea time. I know. I, I honestly thought that was just because I'd got up early with the kids, opening the presents, and I'd just had a long day and a long night before. But actually, it was just because I was on over and then pissed from the same day. You know what, Matt? I think Matt, I felt a bit blur on mine. Is that. Honestly, anybody with teenagers and not little children, I think it's different. It like, I'm just going to be really honest. It's just not that exciting. <laughs> As an adult, is it really? Unless you've got, like, like you say, young children. Like, I suppose for me, I've never really come out of that yet because I had my eldest and my next one. And then there was 10 years. So just as she was coming to the age where she could have grown out of the fun, yeah, I had the little one and it all started again and everybody was just as involved in the whole performance of Christmas Day and Santa being and the mince pie being left and the carrot for the reindeer. I still do that, you know. I do still do that, yeah. And oh, my you should it all. It still comes down your chimney, you know. You are. So you should. It still comes down your chimney, you know. I don't have a chimney. Well, he must come in somehow. <laughs> <laughs> he has a magic key. Ah, which still goes on the door, actually. There you go. Excited. <laughs> Be really excited. No, you know what? It is a really exciting time for people, but also it can be a really difficult time for people on numerous, for numerous different reasons, actually. Whether, you know, like I've got a tiny, teeny family, right? So, you know, when people say, oh, it's so lovely to spend time with family and be like, yeah, I did that last but weekend. <laughs> this is the truth of it, right? It's, this is how big my family is. There's me. My three children and my mum, basically, right? And I work with my mum and two of my children. So, so the fact that I get to spend... the one you don't work with. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, but it is my first Christmas with, my, with, uh, with Rob, which will be really lovely. Oh, we got a name drop in the podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, you have to get the mistletoe out. Can we just 
quick to give people a bit of top advice, top tips for Christmas. Because now, and right about now as you're listening to this, the pressure's really on to socialise. Put your head under the duvet and don't move until New Year's Day. Come out on the 3rd of January. (laughs) That that was a shit tip. But yeah, you know what, you can do it. If they did want to do that, they they could do it. They might enjoy doing that. All right. I don't know whether it's come across, but I'm not really feeling in the mood for Christmas today. <laughs> you could go and hibernate for all this time. Seriously. And, and you know what Lisa's saying is true. If you don't want to go out and you don't want to socialise and you don't feel like being with people, say no. No is a really good word and it's only two letters long. It's dead easy to say. <laughs> and you should have had a lot of practice in November. <laughs> Right, we're actually both um, going off on a complete tangent here but yeah top tips stay in if you want to stay in you don't have to socialise you can say no there's loads of alcohol free drinks out there now if you do want to socialise and get yourself out there but just enjoy it you know it's not Christmas again it's one of those things you don't have to put the drink at centre stage it's not about that. It's never been about that. It's just, you know, when the adverts all come on and say, oh, everything's got to have this wine with it or this champagne with it. I had the best Christmas ever last year. And it started off at dinner time when we were cooking the dinner with a bottle of alcohol-free Prosecco. And it was just lovely and so lovely to wake up on Boxing Day and actually have a full day instead of that feeling that you know I, I love the walks at Christmas I know that could sound really boring to other people but honestly you know getting up on Christmas day morning and yeah. going out for a walk is just it's such a special time like it's lovely it's just really magical it is magical it people is are magical. happy and yeah just going out it's so peaceful and lovely at the same time I think you know we put on ourselves so much pressure to be doing so much and we don't have to we really don't no we always um, go on new year's day for a walk and the people all the people there when you go early are the ones who are either sober or they've been dragged out by somebody who's sober well, you can always tell the ones that have been dragged out especially yeah. now now we're sober it's quite good for spotting hangover spotting and yeah. feeling a bit smug <laughs> yeah so there you go so if you want if you're stuck for plans go and go and do hangover spotting on new year's day and on boxing day <laughs> yeah that's a good one that right come on then lisa tell us about our christmas week guest well, have we got a Christmas present for you? For me? Is it for me? Well, it's for you. It's for everybody. We love him. <laughs> You're going to love him. It's um, William Porter, author of Alcohol Explained and Alcohol Explained 2 and loads of other things. Um, do you know <laughs> loads of other things? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He is. I think I think William's such a lovely one to have on at this time of year as well. Do you? Yeah, he'll either be right. Let's have a bet. Oh, I, I can't wait for this. He'll either be a grumpy old man. Do you reckon? Or he'll be full of the joys. I, I'm hoping he's a grumpy old man today because um like, you're a grumpy old woman. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I just want to put this out there because I can't do things and not be truthful, right? You've made me have a full conversation about Christmas and as if I'm like, and I feel really bad that I'm not in the Christmas spirit. But can we be honest? Like, if people are listening to this podcast week by week, right, it's, it's going to be Christmas, Christmas for us. 
For some people, it might not even be Christmas by the time they get to this episode. And it's actually, for us, it's not Christmas. And I'm actually still really poorly right <laughs> and oh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be all Christmassy and happy and I'm finding it really hard I, I do actually get that but I hope that William isn't a grumpy old man because I want to have a bet all oh, right what do you think he'll be I know you said you hope he'll be what do you think he'll be no I don't think he's ever grumpy me I think he's actually so funny this man dry isn't he really yeah, dry <laughs> he really does make me laugh and you know what he's so like he says it himself actually um, he has such like a pragmatic and practical approach to everything and I find this really interesting and he has no voice in his head I'm going to ask him about it no we've already done this Alex so let's not oh, Neil, we haven't we have ages ago no, that was the soap sessions. No, Honestly, we haven't. We had a conversation on the podcast. Oh, right, you know what? I've got to we've say got, this. We, we've done that many series now. We're getting old and forgetting what we've said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, we only actually had William on once, right at the very beginning, and that's when I thought he would look like my husband. Yeah, then we had a conversation with Dawn from Sober Fish about William's voice. Oh, yeah, we have talked about, yeah, we talked to Dawn. Yeah. I'm still going to ask him. I'm a rebel. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. That's all right. Oh, good. You're not going to do it in silence then. <laughs> no, no, no. Not like last time. Yeah. <laughs> it's that usual thing of starting a meeting, isn't it? I saw this meme once where it was like it's like a seance because everyone's like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> Weird. It really is. It's so true. Oh, William, we've missed you. <laughs> It's we been a while, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it has been a while. It's been a long time, actually, I think, since we've spoken in person. The last time we saw you, we were on your live in your Facebook group. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we used to see each other every week on the sober sessions, didn't we? And since that finished, it kind of, that feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? It was, yeah. really, wasn't it? It's when lockdown started, wasn't it? Right back... It really is. Yeah. It's like a different lifetime ago. How does that happen? Yeah, because that was all we were we were going to meet, weren't we, and do that like live event. Yeah. And then lockdown happened. And it I know, and you're all doing it anyway, you buggers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another story. Thanks for the invite, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to gate crash anyway. We've already decided we're coming, though. Yeah, Some of our members are coming, though, really, genuinely. Oh, yeah. forward to it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 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 Simon, I spoke to Simon about it yesterday. It sounded like um, quite, a, yeah, I don't think he quite appreciated what he was getting himself into. It's like a... It's a lot to organise, isn't it? Something yeah. like that. And it'd be good for you. You can just I, rock up and exactly, do your Exactly, that's what I said to him. It's great for me. I'll just turn up, do do what I do, and then sit around and chat to people. But I was <laughs> yeah, saying, I was like him, I would have expected, you know, like you organise events, so you book a venue and it's job done. But obviously, yeah. no, it's not not quite as simple as that. Especially oh. not now with all the regulations and restrictions and member sizes and rules on vaccines and masks and distance. Oh, no, no, yeah. it's not for me. I'll just stay online, thanks. <laughs> this, is why, this is why we've got ambassadors. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they, they do love doing all this bit for, do it all for you. Yeah, well, I think he ended up getting an events organiser. He just It was just too much, so he's had to get an events organiser to try and, like, coordinate it all. 
Oh, it does sound good. And our members are really, honestly, they are really looking forward to it. But William, speaking of like a lifetime ago, I want to take you back to a lifetime ago because we've never actually asked you this. No, I realised this the other day. We've never asked you. Are you scared? Yes, very much so. My mind it's not a figure, I promise. But <laughs> why did you actually go sober? What brought you to sobriety? So my, my binge drinking was getting increasingly ridiculous and out of hand. And the last one I did, I didn't even mean to drink. I went out for a business lunch, had a few drinks, carried on drinking in the afternoon and the evening. Um, And even now it's all a bit blurry, but I kind of eventually came to five days later having drunk morning, noon and night and running sick from work. And it was, it was a complete nightmare. That's what was happening with my binges. When I started, I would just drink and drink and drink, fall unconscious, wake up and drink again. So it just, the spirals were getting increasingly insane um, and it was, yeah, it was just, it couldn't go on. So that was, that was, I can't that's even imagine it. you like that. Can you now? Is it like looking back at a completely different person? It's, no, it's weird. I kind of, I still remember being in that cycle, which is the weird thing. But kind of thinking back how I was at the time, it, it does. I kind of look back and think, God, because it's like seven years ago. And like, so at the time I, w- I was much fatter. I had running sores all over around my mouth. My hair was quite gray. None of which I, I didn't really associate that with my drinking anyway. But when I quit, I ended up getting fitter, losing weight. My mouth sores miraculously disappeared. My hair kind of the grayness coming back a bit now. But when I think back and think of like those physical, like just the physical effects yeah. of those constant heavy drinking. And then I think, imagine adding on like seven and a half years of that. Yeah, you don't know where you've been. Can I no, just say something and as well? I'm in my mid-40s now as well. So it's kind of like your body doesn't bounce back quite no. so well. And I, I think I'd be in a pretty bad state by now, to be honest. Do you I ever see anybody that this. you would... Sorry, Alex. Do you ever don't, see anybody that you were drinking with? Um, I, to be honest, I didn't I didn't really <laughs> used to drink with people. I just used to sit at home and drink. I was never... I've never been particularly sociable. And my ideal drinking situation was not to be out with people. It was to be at home to such an extent. So with my job at the time, there, there was lots of like drinking occasions. So you'd get invited to really nice places in the city of London and there'd be champagne and cocktails and all sorts and I would like go for one or two and then just leave and go home and sit on the sofa with a couple of bottles of wine and just sit and drink there because I just I didn't really like drinking with people I just wanted to be sat on my own drinking yeah I suppose that's why it's easy for you to leave things now because you've always done it anyway drinking or not drinking just I'm off by <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I'm going to just say this episode goes out the week before Christmas. And when you were describing yourself as being fatter, older, greyer, I really did think you were becoming Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But not as generous. It wasn't quite so jolly in those days. 
then obviously you couldn't grow a beard with those sores, so. No, no. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I wasn't making fun of it. But it's so true, those physical effects. You've actually, I think it was um, Sober Dave that kept calling you Benjamin Button, but you really have done a bit of a reverse ageing then. <laughs> yeah, well, um, as I say, the, the noticeable thing was my, like, my hair going grey. It was, like, quite noticeably grey. And it's... It's rever- it reversed massively. As I say, it's no. kind of coming back a bit now. But that's like seven years ago. I'm less grey now than I was seven years ago. And How I assume does it's that just, happen? I assume it's just the pounding your body's taking. It just isn't... Because, of course, the other thing, obviously, alcohol affects your sleep. And sleep is when your body regenerates and recovers. If you're not sleeping properly, you're just you know you're not getting that aspect and of course it's a poison anyway so you're not doing yourself any favors and then it completely buggers up your diet so you end up eating less healthy food and you do less exercise everything i think it's just a huge all-round impact and it processes the alcohol before it does anything else as well your body doesn't it so obviously if it's prioritizing that then all the stuff that's quite essential is just getting put on the back burner yeah, well, it's a funny thing as well, because, I mean, people notice it more these days with all these fitness trackers, but when you drink, your heart rate goes up massively yeah. and your sleep goes to pot, and people really notice it because they look at their Fitbits or whatever, or the Apple Watches, and it shows their heart rate going up and, you know, their sleep goes to pieces. And I think that's the thing with alcohol. It's a drug which sedates you, so when you drink it, you do feel like stupefied and relaxed, but your body isn't stu- relaxed at all. It's it's under massive pressure. Your heart rate goes up. Everything goes, starts going berserk to try and you know to try and counter the alcohol. So it's putting massive pressure on your body. It's yeah, not, yeah. I used we to run in- put my Fitbit away when I when I was drinking and I had a Fitbit. Oh my gosh, I used to look and the sleep. Yeah, that that's what stopped me using it more than anything was looking at my own sleep and like it does a little graph, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'd be dead chuffed that I'd done like twenty thousand steps in a club somewhere. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my sleep was horrific. Oh, it was awful. I used to wake up even on times when I didn't drink. I'd wake up and look at it. And if it said I'd only had like five, six hours sleep, that would affect my mind for the whole day. I'd be like, oh, I'm tired because my Fitbit says yeah, that I've only had. I feel yeah. like that now. It's like, how do you, you know, if someone says, oh, do you sleep? Well, how do you feel? It's like, well, I've needed to check my Fitbit and see how I slept. And then I'll tell you how. <laughs> yeah, it really kind of impacts you, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, it's funny. Well, it's not. I think um, when what you were saying before about the twenty thousand steps in a club, I'd forgotten about that feeling about thinking you actually checking your Fitbit and going, "Yes, I had lots of exercise last night." Oh, I used what? to go for random walks, me around the lake. You know, like think it would be a really good idea because I do love nature. I also down the lake after a night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so when I was drunk, I'd be like, oh, should we go for a walk? And we, it was ridiculous. Gosh. Mm, One of the yeah. things that we wanted to talk to you about was sleep, because you know that we both rave about your books. We love your books, both of them. And oh, something you talk about is the physical impact of alcohol and how alcohol is a drug. Just before I ask you the question, we went on a radio station very recently. We just want your clarification on this. And they were asking us a lot about alcohol and what it does and et cetera, et cetera. We do this a lot. William says, William says this. Right? <laughs> so we were talking about it and we actually referred to alcohol as being a drug. And in the comments, honestly, William, we were, we, there were comments saying, no, it's not. No, it's not a drug. It's a no. mind altering substance. Like, yeah, a drug. Yeah. <laughs> right. it's, it's a drug. Yeah. 
It's absolutely a drug. It interferes with the chemical um, workings of your body and mind. It, it is a drug. I mean, people oh, don't think say, of it as a drug, but it still is a drug. We'll get back to our chat shortly. But first, let us tell you a little bit more about our friends at IPHM. So IPHM is a worldwide accreditation board with a bit of a difference. They pride themselves in the personal service and it's proper humans in the office checking through the applications. They genuinely know how hard you've worked to start your own business and they'll be there for you every step of the way. Their passion lies in helping people live the life they love, as well as giving the public the reassurance they need to know they'll be in safe hands. So if you want to stand out from the rest and become part of a worldwide recognised organisation, then choose IPHM for confidence and trust. There's a reason all our coaches are IPHM accredited and a reason we're an IPHM accredited training provider because their reputation is simply the best out there. Check them out at iphm.co.uk and don't forget to name drop Be Sober when you apply. The actual DJ. Yeah, the actual guy, actually, that was in the DJ. The DJ. (laughs) I'm back in the club doing my 20,000 steps. (laughs) (laughs) The presenter. The presenter, whoever it was. The guy asking us the question. Somebody put in the comments that alcohol was no different than heroin or something like that. And he laughed and wanted to kind of push it away. He was like, no, it's not. And that's when we'd kind of gone in. Well, actually, William William says, and it's the most harmful drug. Um, Yeah, they they don't want to hear it. People don't want to hear it because of course it's so socially acceptable. Yeah, well, that's. I think that's what it comes down to. 87% of people drink and they all have a vested interest in, you know, trying to make it out to be really benign and make excuses to keep taking it. So people don't want to hear that it's a drug, that it's addictive, that it's bad for you. You know, they ignore all that and they grasp these one or two pathetic, nonsensical memes that say a glass of red wine a day is really good for you. So they cling on to that desperately and just bury their heads, you know, put the blinkers on and ignore everything that tells them that it's bad for them research performed by the alcohol industry as well (laughs) yeah (laughs) so anyway what the question was is can you tell us a little bit more about sleep and if you can how it changes in sobriety because i think there's not enough out there and it's sleep's my favorite bit about sobriety by far yeah absolutely it really is so um the so there's a lot we don't know about sleep but what we do know is you go through certain sleep cycles um, and this is the first of many myths people think you know you just you lie down at night you fall unconscious for a few hours and that's it job done but it isn't as simple as that you go through different sleep cycles um there's a few different sleep cycles that have been identified um there's something called deep sleep where you know, as you would expect from its name, you're quite heavily unconscious. But then there's something called REM sleep, where when they've done tests and attached sensors to people and monitored them through REM sleep, their brain lights up almost as if they're fully awake. So what we we, we don't know huge amounts about sleep, but what we do know is you need to go through certain sleep cycles. And one of the main differentiating factors between these sleep cycles is how deeply unconscious you are. Okay, so that's a kind of a very high level, quick bird's eye view of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, with alcohol, so alcohol, <laughs> despite popular belief, is a drug <laughs> and it's a sedative. So it, it decreases or inhibits nerve activity. So your brain reacts to that 
in lots and lots of different ways, but essentially what it comes down to is it becomes hypersensitive to work under the sedating effects of the alcohol. Um, the more you drink and the more years you drink for, the better your brain becomes at countering the sedating effects of the alcohol with several results. One, you need to drink more to get the same effect. Two, you're able to drink more. This is what tolerance is. Everyone accepts tolerance and over the years you can drink more, but not many people stop and think what's actually physically changed in your body to allow you to drink more. And the answer is your brain becomes increasingly proficient at countering the effects of the alcohol. But the third point is the more you drink, the more oversensitive your brain has to become to counter the alcohol. So when the alcohol wears off, that oversensitivity remains behind. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> It's essentially alcohol withdrawal, and a lot of people struggle with that. And it's like, well, oh, my God, are you telling me everyone who drinks gets alcohol withdrawal? Well, if you consider that withdrawal is an unpleasant feeling caused by a chemical imbalance that is itself caused by the previous dose of the drug, then absolutely that is alcohol withdrawal. Mm -hmm. um, that's what is known as anxiety, you know, that anxious, unpleasant feeling you get after you've been drinking. It's basically the interruption to your brain chemistry. Your brain's geared up to work under the stating effects of the alcohol, but the alcohol's disappeared. So it's kind of, it's almost like when you drink too much caffeine and you feel all twitched up and unpleasant and your brain's jumping around and you can't concentrate on anything, which is also why drinkers wake up at three or four in the morning when they've been drinking. It's because of that interruption to their brain chemistry. So when you put the two together, what happens when you're drinking? Um, I was speaking before about REM sleep. Now, REM yes. sleep, is a, it's a crucial part of sleep. It's when we dream. Humans don't really understand why it's so important, but we know it is important. So they've done tests on rats where they've starved them of REM sleep and the rats have actually died within a few weeks. They've tried to do tests on human subjects where they monitor them and as soon as they go into REM sleep, they wake them up. One of the problems with those is the vast majority of people drop out the studies because they feel so depressed and miserable or they just can't carry on with it. So we don't know much about REM sleep, yeah. but it is crucial non-drinkers when you're not drinking you usually go through on average um seven or eight rounds of rem sleep drinkers on average only go through two. Oh wow the reason for that is for the first part of the night you're too heavily sedated for your brain to get you into that higher consciousness where you so can have like REM wake sleep. up yeah exactly to go up yeah. there and the second part of the night is you can't sleep at all. So that's usually, as I say, those three or four a.m. wake ups when you're feeling really anxious and unpleasant. Um, you don't then go go into sleep at all usually after that, or it's just very fitful kind of dozing. So that's how alcohol impacts sleep. It completely demolishes it. One of the problems is completely aside from that dynamic, when we as human beings start to you know wind down towards bedtime our brain starts to close things down yeah and that's why we're often told to go through you know like good sleep hygiene and have a good sleep routine where you know you have a hot bath or you know a hot drink and then read a book or whatever that's just getting into the habit of saying to your brain I'm going to be sleeping soon so yeah. your brain starts closing things down now when you drink regularly 
your brain stops doing that because alcohol, again, it is a drug and it is a sedative and it does the job for your brain. So when you're drinking regularly, your brain doesn't bother going through that process. It just relies on the nightly alcohol. I need to, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So the problem is when you then, if you drink regularly and you stop for a night, you can't sleep because yeah. your brain's out of the habit. It gets back to normal after only about three or four nights. But the problem is that is people's experience. They drink and when they stop, they can't sleep. So they've kind of fallen into thinking that alcohol helps them sleep because their experience is, well, I can fall asleep fine when I'm drinking, but when I don't drink, I can't sleep. But if somebody's in sobriety then, is it going to take a long time to get that? Because obviously it's a chemical process as well, isn't it? It's producing a hormone which lowers you down into that kind yeah. of state. So if you stop drinking, does it take a long time for that? I think it's melatonin, is it? Melatonin it to... It shouldn't do. No, we're all different. And there's other things that can impact sleep. Most people find they start getting back to normal sleep within three, four, five days. Okay, and then, of course, quick. it takes a bit longer to catch up on sleep. So some people find after that initial period, they feel really tired. They're sleeping loads while they're just catching up. But it shouldn't take too long. I mean, don't forget there's other things that can impact sleep, such as caffeine, nicotine so there's I mean, a lot 20, of other... steps in a club <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> so th there's a lot of other things where people can spoil their sleep even when they just stop drinking which can often you know can also alter things and slow down that getting back to a normal sleep process caffeine's a bad one do you remember when i got accidentally <laughs> wired off coffee on that sober sessions that time it was oh you did didn't you yeah oh it was awful like my heart was pounding yeah. and sweaty palms i was i couldn't wait to get off the screen it was the worst <laughs> feeling ever yeah that's ve that's very similar to that alcohol withdrawal just to being like really twitched up and just it's not a nice feeling no it was all tolerance it's not even we weren't going to ask about this but you mentioned it and like I used to pride myself we were talking about this yesterday yeah. weren't we? but I used to pride myself on saying oh I could drink him under the table Rah! you know like yeah. it was like a thing drinking somebody under the table which basically meant that you were really highly tolerant and probably on your way to a dependency problem yeah at the end of my drinking my tolerance definitely became decreased so it, it seemed to peak it'd be really mm. like I could handle my drink really well and I say that in kind of a drinker's way yeah and it, but at the end, I find that I was getting pissed faster. Do you know why that is? Yeah, no, a few people have said that. There, there has been some studies done to show that as you get older, your um, tolerance decreases. But the reasons were that we, we usually, I think, beyond your age group, it's like people being on other medications and their health declining you know, regardless of that. So I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I, I suppose there are other factors involved, like... You know, one of the ways in which we get drunk quickly or not quickly is whether our stomachs are full. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things certainly I used to do, you kind of get into the habit of drinking on an empty stomach. because Eating it cheating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What my friends yeah. used to say. <laughs> I couldn't eat because I always vomited if I ate. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, blimey. Always. Yeah. yeah, I used to drink. Well, I was a binge drinker and that's what happened to me. I was the worst, yeah. the most disgusting, vomity drinker ever. I don't even know. I, every, every, all the time, from, from as young as I can remember starting to drink, I was always the sick one. Oh, the number really? of times that people would say, oh, look, at it's Alex over that wall. And I was just what to write today. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So can we ask some 
advice now. So what would you say to someone who's newly sober and they're thinking about having a drink because they can't sleep properly? Okay, so if you can't sleep properly in the first few days, it will improve. Okay, absolutely. So if you're beyond that, you may have like a sleeping condition. Most people don't, to be honest. There's usually other factors. And like, as I say, things like, so drinking caffeine later in the day will keep you awake. Nicotine is a stimulant. So if you smoke or vape, that might be keeping you awake. There's other things you can do to help sleep, which is to do a bit of exercise, but do it earlier in the day. Because when you exercise, you know, your body releases adrenaline and that keeps you awake. So exercising later on in the day isn't so good. Also eating bigger meals late at night can be a problem because digestion takes up a huge amount of energy um, and that can disturb your sleep cycle as well. Um, but taking a drink to remedy it is just the most ridiculous thing ever because alcohol, as I've spoken through, it ruins your sleep. So that is not an option. You know, if, if, if you're looking for an excuse to drink again, you'll have to find a different one because <laughs> that just doesn't work, I'm afraid. It really does just put you unconscious, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're not, you, you are not going through those sleep cycles you need to go through. It, it's impossible for a human being to drink alcohol and then go through the sleep cycles they need to go through and wake up refreshed and ready to go. I just you love it, can't you, Lucy? It. You can feel it as well, like the next day, like you and me up and about. I love how you say it. She's right. You just say it as it is. And it's like, people need to hear what William has to say. <laughs> yeah, they do. I think if like we said it, they'd be like, oh, shut up. But because you say it, just, honestly, if anybody ever needs a reminder not to drink, they just need to listen to you for like even just a few minutes. It's like, just put this on and you will never drink again because it is ridiculous. But when we say it's ridiculous we come across like really evangelical whereas you say it's just so obvious Matter of fact. You know, I love it when um, if anyone's not in William's Facebook group you have to go in just for the comedy value of William insulting people who question him <laughs> I don't do that do I <laughs> <laughs> no but the, the one time I can't remember exactly what you did now and it was when Dawn was there and honestly me, Dawn, Lisa everybody we were laughing our heads off I think you said it on a live oh, right. you were talking about somebody in the medieval times yeah oh right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't remember what it was in reference to but it was one of the funniest experiences ever it was very funny you I think it was one of those posts where somebody had posted something and a few people had jumped on saying don't judge normal drinkers we're different to them so obviously that <laughs> entire concept yeah I love the fact that you actually did a whole live in response to it it was brilliant it was to be fair I think it was just bad timing because I'd had a not particularly good Friday and then I saw that just before the live and it really got my back up so I kind of went into the live you know gloves off <laughs> No, but you do. You get away well, William. You really, really do. Speaking of your Facebook group, tell us what else. What what you up to at the moment? What so, the, the thing I'm working on at the moment is trying to do an online course. So I've tried Brilliant. to take the kind of the alcohol explain. Obviously, people use the two books to quit drinking, but it was kind of that was never my point in writing them. It was more just to set the record straight on alcohol and just explain it to people. Yeah. 
So there's a few bits in there that aren't really necessarily relevant to quitting. So I've tried to kind of take out the quitting-y bits from both books and sort of try to refine them into a course, which is, yeah, kind of an interesting, <laughs> interesting thing to do. But yeah, so I'm working on that at the moment. So I don't know where that's going to end up or when. I bet that'll be really good. Yeah, and even if people don't want to quit, just to hear the facts about alcohol, because it's just not out there enough. The truth isn't out there. You know, they don't label the bottles. They don't tell us that it causes cancer. They don't tell us that it's addictive. They don't tell us it's a drug. You know, it's called drugs and alcohol. You know, they, they yeah. put it in a little category of its own as if it's not yeah. bad. You know, yeah, so I think even that. It's one of those things where people just, it is like they just don't know the truth about it. And when you explain it to them, I mean, all the things I've ever had said about alcohol, I, I've never had anyone come up and say, you're wrong because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. You quite often get people, well, that's not, you know, what are you are talking about? I don't have alcohol withdrawal. And then you explain the process. But, you know, you've just told me you wake up at night. What would you call that? Um, and, and it's just when you take people by the hand and lead them through that logical yeah. thought process, they, they end up with a very different perception of alcohol because we as a society think it's, you know, it's very benign, it's harmless, it's fun, it's even healthy, but it's none of those things. And actually it doesn't take much to scratch the surface and start to see it as it really is. And as I say, it's, it's just a simple logical process, starting with a few very simple accepted facts that leads you to come up with this completely different view of alcohol it's the education side definitely i was saying on one of our previous podcasts my delivery driver that dropped off some drinks um non-alcoholic drinks we'd had a bit of a laugh and he's like oh you're going to get drunk this weekend i explained and just through a conversation at the door he was like oh my god yeah i never thought of it like that it just hadn't th so it's not his fault he just mm. never thought of it like this um, and I did say this on the other podcast, but he jumped out of his van the other day, so excited. He was like, oh, I've been dying to see you. I'm three <laughs> weeks sober. Oh, wow. I was like, no way. And he'd said, because he'd knocked on my door and we'd had that conversation and he'd never even realised. And he liked a, a completely different story, but he was a bit of a gambler and said the only time he'd made stupid decisions was whilst drinking yeah yeah and um, so that was one of his main reasons for for giving up actually right. but he'd never put it down to drinking yeah it's funny isn't it it's funny because a, a lot of the supposed benefits of drinking are false and when you see through them you kind of start to understand how it's illusion but a lot of you know the lower quality of life we live as a drinker we just don't chalk it up to drinking you know we oh. do feel like really tired all the time we haven't got energy for anything and we just kind of accept it we don't really associate it with drinking <clears throat> I mean, I was a binge drinker, so I wasn't even drinking every day. But yeah. even now, looking back on it, you know, it, it, even when my binges were supposedly a bit more within the, you know, the norm and I wasn't waking up in the middle of the night and just continuing to drink, I was still living under par because even just drinking at weekends, it takes quite a few days to fully recover and get back to normal. 
and you yeah, just don't do it when you're drinking at weekends all the time. You know, a really good friend of mine actually drinks at the, she's a bit of a binge drinker at the weekends and I'm quite good at accidentally converting people to be sober, right? But yeah, like delivery drivers. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, delivery drivers, old school friends. It's just an accident. I don't mean to. <laughs> but, um, she drinks every weekend and actually there's no way, no way I could ever convince her that her life would be better at a weekend or in the week without it because it's the only thing that she looks forward to all week at work. And it just makes me so sad. It's I was going to add to that and say that. Sorry, William. I was just going to say then, it, when if people would just pick up your book and read it, like, like like what Lisa's describing and just be open to it, they wouldn't want to drink. I think it, it does change how you feel. And I think this is one of the sad things about it because obviously one of, one of the aspects of drinking that isn't physical is the craving, which is, and we, we, you know, we don't just crave alcohol, but foods and all sorts. But craving is a conscious thought process where you're obsessing about having a like for, let's talk about alcohol it's about fantasizing about having a drink and we kind of think of it being this wonderful fantastic thing and we make it out to be much better than it actually is in reality and we start obsessing about it so for example the weekend binge drinker friday night comes and you know either they're going out with friends or they're just sitting in front of the tv or whatever they do on a friday night but they can't relax and enjoy it because it's their drinking night yeah. So they start obsessing about whether to have a drink or not and they can't enjoy themselves without it. And then they have that drink. And of course, all it does is remove that distressing mental conundrum or of should I, shouldn't I, or I can't have mm. one, so I'm miserable. So they can get back to enjoying whatever it was they were doing in the first place, like socialising with friends or watching TV or just sitting down and relaxing, whatever it might be. But then their experience of life is you know, the weekend comes, but I can't enjoy it without a drink. So to a degree, what your friend's experience is, is absolutely correct. Because all she knows is I'm really unhappy at a weekend when I'm not drinking. So why would I want that kind of life? So they just keep going back to it. But actually when people start to understand all these physical, chemical and psychological factors at play, it's just smoke and mirrors. It's so hard because we want. I want to say like read this book, but you know what it's like when people are drinking, right? They'll probably read a couple of pages and fall asleep into the non-good sleep, right? <laughs> into the non-good sleep or stay on consciousness, yeah, yeah, and not actually retain any of this information. It's like this vicious cycle. <laughs> oh. Right, before we finish, we've been asking all our guests this. We're really sorry to do this to you, because we had a practice before and we realised how hard it is to answer this question. Go on, <laughs> we're asking all our guests, our motto is be brave, be kind, be sober. And we want to know which one you most relate to right now and why. I suppose it would have to be, I was going to say be sober, but I think be brave because I think it's a leap of faith stopping drinking. Do you remember that um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? <laughs> and he's like, he comes to this massive chasm and he has to just step off and it's like hundreds of feet to the the rocks below. And he just has to go for it because he's just on Connery, his father's dying at the time. So he's got to hurry through and he just steps off and he lands on like a path and it's just an optical illusion. It looks like it's a drop, but it's a path. And that, to me, 
just sums up quitting drinking because we can't imagine socializing holidays, Christmas. We can't imagine any of those things, but you have to step off the cliff before you realize it's not a massive plummet to your own demise. (laughs) You just carry on much as before. Oh my God, you're winning best answer. (laughs) That is literally the best answer. Look, you find it hard. Will you find it hard to answer? (laughs) Yeah, I I look a bit silly now, don't I? Did you see the um, questions beforehand? Is that how you prepped for answer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cheated massively. Honestly, as ever, it's been really lovely talking to you. We've shortened our episodes, otherwise we'd carry on talking for another half an hour at least. It's been amazing. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Thanks so much, William. It's been lovely. Excellent. Thank you. Don't leave it so long. No, no. (laughs) See you later. Thanks. Bye. A big thank you to IPHM for sponsoring this episode. They're a worldwide accreditation board with a difference. And if you're working in the holistic or coaching industry, remember to check them out. Visit the website at iphm.co.uk and don't forget to name drop Be Sober when you apply. And if you want to find out more about the work we do or you want to join our amazing community here at Be Sober, you can find out more about us on our website, besoberofficial.com. And until next time, be brave, be kind and be sober.